This is episode one of Paper Cup for October 19th, 2020. Welcome to the first episode of Paper Cup, Nyack Library's brand new podcast. Our guest is Aldana Plamanis. I'm Rosemary Farrell. I am the senior librarian, adult services with programming and community engagement. And I am Georgia Grandstaff, and I am an information specialist at the library um, with programs. And I'm Tracy Dunstan. I'm the head of adult services. And our first ever guest is Aldana. She is the head of youth <laughs> services. Yes, I am. Okay, so our first episode about Halloween, sort of, or spooky stuff. People keep talking about how Halloween is kind of canceled this year because of the pandemic. Um, and that might be true in some ways, but here at the Nyack Library, we still love everything spooky and scary. So we're going to talk about our favorite scary books, movies, TV shows, and maybe some local ghost stuff with Aldana. We'll see. Definitely. All right. So the first part, we're going to talk about favorite scary books. One of my favorite scary books is In the Shadow of Blackbirds by Kat Winters. It's a YA book that's, it's kind of probably a little morbid to read now, but it's about the um, 1918 influenza pandemic and it's a ghost story. What I liked about it was that it was very, it made you feel like you were living in that time period. You could kind of get a sense of why people did the things they did back then. I also really like Catherine Howe's spooky books, like the appearance of Annie Van Sinderen. It's a ghost story set where this girl from the Gilded Age comes back to the 2020s and chaos ensues. What about you, Aldana? Well, this is hard for me to narrow it down because most of what I like to read are spooky stories, but I've chosen three. Um, the first is a memoir by Augustine Burroughs. You might know him from Running with Scissors. He wrote a book called Toil and Trouble, and in which his mother reveals that he comes from a long line of witches dating back to the colonial times. So he handles it in his usual hilarious ways, but the book, book itself and the stories that, he's, that he tells are actually quite spooky. We discover through his writings that ghosts are real, trees can want to kill you, beavers are the spawn of Satan, <laughs> houses are alive, and in the end, love is the most powerful magic of all. It's a tender, spooky, funny, and beautifully written book, so I highly recommend Toil and Trouble. The next book is fiction by, I couldn't leave out Stephen King. It's called Dr. Sleep. So we find out what happens to Danny Torrance when he's all grown up. And he discovers two other people with this special shining gift. And there are some various beings that want to take their gift and use it for their own gain. It's exciting. They've also made a major motion picture out of it. So highly recommend Dr. Sleep. And lastly is a book that I haven't actually read yet, but it's being, it was written by a friend of mine and a prolific ghost hunter for many years, Amy Bruni. She started off on the show Ghost Hunters and now has her own show on the Travel Channel with her bestie, Adam Berry. And she's written a book called Life with the Afterlife, 13 Truths I've Learned About Ghosts. She's a highly respected investigator. I love her style. She's very compassionate when she does her ghost hunting. So I'm very much looking forward to that. It will be released on October 27th, and I'm sure the library will get a copy. So those are my three. 
I don't really read that many scary books, but the one book that I would really recommend is actually a young adult book. I read a lot of, a lot of young adult books, um, but it's the Diviner series by Libba Bray. The first book is the one that's really worth reading and it's called like the series Diviners. It's basically a ghost story that takes place in the 1920s in New York City. So it's really great historical fiction if you're into that. And it has a lot to do with the occult. This girl, she moves to New York City. It's like prohibition era. She's a party girl and she works at her uncle's museum for the occult and she kind of gets involved in some scary stuff. And maybe it's because the only, it's the only scary book I've ever really read, but I remember I read it, I was probably in college and I was up at night reading it and I was so scared, I really regretted it. So either it is really scary or scary books are just not for me, but that was a really great book. I would very much recommend that one. I don't read a lot of horror books or scary books for adults. Uh, the books I, that immediately came to mind were things I read as a child. Louise, Lois Duncan, uh, Summer Fear and Down a Dark Hall. And then John Belair's The House with the Clock in Its Walls. These are all juvenile young uh, kids books. So Ziffla Keatley Snyder wrote a couple books. One was The Changeling and Witches of Worm that I remember very vividly terrifying me. And I remember our library also had an anthology of horror stories that was supposedly edited by Alfred Hitchcock, which also traumatized me <laughs> as a kid. I, uh, for adult stuff, I read The Exorcist when I was probably way too young for it because my parents somehow had a copy in the house and they let me read whatever I wanted. And then also recently, I read a book by Helen Phillips called The Need which is in our adult fiction collection. It's a sort of a psychological horror story involving mother of young children and this doppel, mysterious doppelganger enters their lives. Um, and she's basically spends the book trying to protect her children from this that looks just like her, but doesn't act like her. And it's very creepy. And it also touches upon like, just the horror of, of having children and knowing that you have to, your job is to keep them alive in a world that is scary in reality at this point in time. Um, it's, so it's very creepy, but it's also very emotionally moving, which I love. I forgot about two more things. So, and Aldana, you're the one who told me about that book, Night Film by, I, I'm gonna say her name wrong. Peschel, Marissa well, Peschel. Yeah. I loved that book. I don't know if I'd call that a scary, I don't know. It was kind of like a thriller, like a psychological thriller um, about what was, it was also a ghost story or it had to do with a, a horror filmmaker, right? Yes. And, kind of and his daughter, his daughter yes. goes missing. And then there's this reporter that had followed the father for many years and he starts investigating the disappearance of this girl. And it's, it's a very cool book and it's got all kinds of unusual photographs throughout it and like little clues and things like that. It takes you on a really cool ride. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And she, she's a great author. I read a couple of her other books actually. And she also wrote a young adult book that was kind of like a time travel, a little bit scary uh, book. I think it was called Never World Wake. 
actually, it's really funny because if anyone who listens to this knows uh, John Ballard, who works at the circulation department in the library, he is a writer, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning this, but he wrote a book recently that's kind of like a scary mystery that has to do with the occult and the music industry and <laughs> city right before 9-11. It was a really, if he, if he ever gets it published, you guys cool. will listen to it. Do you want to move on to TV? I also don't really watch that many. I'm not really into like horror stuff, but I like um, Unsolved Mysteries, Supernatural, maybe season one through five. I can't vouch for the later seasons because I stopped watching. Um, it's Charmed, I, was, I, I love Charmed. And uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, I think would probably be my top spooky favorites watch a lot of ghost tv <laughs> it started with ghost hunters and now um most recently i've been watching the re-release of the unsolved mystery series i found out that the people who created the series stranger things worked on this so you know it's going to be good um and it did not disappoint i've been watching kindred spirits i mentioned amy bruni before that's her show with adam berry that's on the Travel Channel. Again, very good. They basically go into people's houses and kind of help them figure out who's haunting them and how they can move these people on and find a, a nice resolution to each scenario. And then lastly, the what I enjoy the most is kind of like eye candy. It's called Paranormal Caught on Camera, and it's also on the Travel Channel. And basically, it's just clips of weird things that people record themselves and submit to the show and it ranges from ufos to bigfoots to shadow people to ghosts to weird sounds it's it's really fun and they pack a lot into that hour so i highly recommend that one okay so i don't read a lot of scary books i don't watch a lot of scary stuff but i am currently watching lovecraft country on hbo which is based on the H.P. Lovecraft stories, which I've never read. Have you guys read any of his stories? He, I'm assuming it's a he. <laughs> it's definitely a he. I've read it I've, years ago when I was in high school. I think I read some of his stuff, but he was never one of my big authors. He's a very problematic background that's coming out lately, which is interesting because of what the show is about. Is like he is like a hard in his life he was a hardcore racist you know just over the top yeah really um, among other things yeah so it's interesting that they're using his stories to tell this particular show yeah well good i think that's a good thing i mean it's, a, it's oh yeah definitely um for anyone who hasn't watched it the the main characters are african-american and they i mean that seems to be like the main plot now i'm interested to to read his stories because the main plot of the show is sort of like how the African-American experience and how it's kind of like living in a horror film, honestly. I mean, it's pretty intense, but it's, it's a really good show. I'm, I'm only a few episodes in, so who knows what it turns into. And then the other sort of scary TV show, you know, I've never read any of Stephen King's books, but I know that they made uh, a TV series, The Outsider, or maybe it's Outsiders. No, just Outsider which did you guys either of you guys watch that Aldana did you watch that on HBO no I haven't seen it it's really good and it makes you want to read the book also kind of like an occult story 
It has to do with ancient legends, sort of like a murder mystery also. It's about like the investigation of a spring of a string of child deaths, which is kind of morbid, but a really, really interesting show. For me, the TV show that stood out the most was the original Twilight Zone, because I watched a lot of that. I still like to watch it sometimes, but I watch a lot of that as a child and made huge impression on me. And then the other things I thought of were also, again, from my younger years, like Salem's Lot, which is a Stephen King novel, which I'd never read. In 1979, there was a TV miniseries of that on regular television. And I remember watching that and regretting <laughs> watching it because I have nightmares very easily. And then this is not a horror. Well, it is horror, but it's realistic. It's um, another made-for-TV movie from 1983 that scarred my gen my myself and my fellow Gen Xers forever, I think, called The Day After, which is about what the day after a nuclear war, and it focuses on a, Lawrence, Kansas, and what happens the day after um, Russia attacks. And uh, because at that time, 1983, the Cold War was raging, it seemed completely plausible that this could actually happen. I'm sure it's very cheesy looking now. I haven't watched it since then. I remember it vividly, so. I second that one. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're from the same, you're the same yeah. era. Like we all watched it, everyone. It was like, pretty, it was one of those things where people just, it's like millions and millions of people in the United States tuned in at the same time. And I remember, I think it was ABC, they had like a listener's guide and they had a 1-800 number set up. So you, if you were traumatized, you had someone to talk to. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, yeah. It's on YouTube if anyone wants to check it out, apparently. But those are my, my TVs. That is so funny that they had a hotline. Fun. We were more we were more delicate back then, Georgia. Now everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> well, I feel like horror is such a huge, huge popular genre. Oh yeah, definitely. Everyone, you know, year round, people want horror movies. I mean, I don't quite understand it. I like more the the funny joke horror movies, like the scream movies. I don't know. I I get too scared. I don't know. How about favorite movies? Wanna go on to that? I know it's not really scary, but I love Hocus Pocus. It's, <laughs> I used, yeah. Like I used, there's three movies I made my sister watch with me over and over again when we were kids. It was Hocus Pocus, Annie, and House Arrest. I don't know, for some reason, I was just obsessed with those three movies. I don't know why. But we like outdoor um, social distancing movie night on our porch with like screen and everything. And we watched Hocus Pocus and it still holds up. It's just fun. <laughs> Classic. I watched it the other day. <laughs> it was on, there's a, one of the channels is having 31 days of Halloween and each day they have all these classic Halloween movies. It's fun. Yeah. Definitely a classic. Yeah. Uh, I definitely prefer spooky to like gory slasher films. Like I don't like the scream movies. I, I don't like jump scares. I don't like things. I know I'm looking at George's face right now. She's like, what? Um, <laughs> I just like kind of a story that builds. The less you see, the better, in my opinion. So I've chosen three. The first is The Orphanage. It's a Spanish foreign film directed by Guillermo del Toro. So clearly it's creepy and spooky. Um, it's about a woman who purchases the orphanage that she grew up in to run a home for disabled children. 
And during the movie, her own son goes missing and in searching for him, she uncovers very disturbing and spooky things about her past. So we do have that, that uh, movie in our collection and I recommend that. The other is kind of a, a classic with Nicole Kidman called The Others, where a woman and her two photosensitive children start to believe that their dark and creepy mansion is haunted. And there's a cool twist at the end if you haven't seen it. It's great. It's stayed with me for a long time. And that's another one that's a little bit slower and builds. And yeah, and I love The Sixth Sense. Um, that also, I like a good twist, a good twist. Um, and the last thing I'm going to recommend is not actually a movie. It's a web series. They have two seasons right now, also made by friends of mine. It's called, it's called Hellier, H-E-L-L-I-E-R. You can watch it for free on YouTube um, or Amazon Prime. Basically, there are the, the series stars two people named Dana and Greg Newkirk. They own a traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult. And so people are always sending them strange things. And they receive a letter from a man from this town in Hellier, Kentucky, that claims that his family's being harassed by goblins. You might laugh, but this is the kind of stuff that Dana and Greg look into. And they started asking him questions and he sent photographs of footprints that Dana and Greg kind of had analyzed and they appeared to be not made from an animal or any kind of human or not artificially produced. So that, you know, kind of made them think that this might be something they'd like to investigate. And what happens when they arrive in the town is that they start uncovering all of these weird things and there are strange synchronicities that just take you down this rabbit hole that lasts for two seasons. So it turns into something very different than what you think going in. You think they're just going to go look for goblins, but it turns into this whole other thing. And they're like ties to the Mothman prophecy, which is another kind of paranormal legend. It's, it's fascinating. It's beautifully filmed. I highly, highly recommend it. And there, because I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> Aldana, though, I have a quick, quick question for you, though. What do you yeah. think of the village? That's another excellent excellent movie also creepy fantastic twist at the end those M. Night Shyamalan films are are great they are great 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 I love them all yeah I agree I actually like his movies I think they're a little more like about the unseen you know which I I kind of like and I also just remembered I really like the Jordan Peele movies oh yeah, yeah Get Out and Us and I actually did watch them and they were so they were great. I, I also just don't watch that many scary movies. If you, if you didn't um, see either of those movies, we do have them in the library, um, but those are really good ones. Well, Get Out is, Get Out's really good. I, I don't know about Us. I wasn't crazy about Us. I actually really? liked Us. Really? All right. And it's, it's another one that starts off, it's completely different from what you think it's, like where it's going. So I love things like that. They make you think. Thank you for reminding me about The Orphanage, Aldana. I'd forgotten about the movie and I remember loving it. And it's so, it's so moving too, on top of being creepy and scary. It's so moving. And that led me to another one of Guillermo del Toro's films, Pan's Labyrinth, which is unbelievably great. It's not necessarily a horror movie. I, I don't even know how to categorize it. It's like magical realism, but it is about the horror of fascism. And it's, it's also one of those movies that's 
it's creepy, it's intelligent, it's so, you get so emotionally involved in the, the main character who's a young girl. I remember going to see it in a movie theater and getting up at the end and leaving and it was packed. And this one woman was just sitting in her chair, just sobbing at, after the end of the movie. And I, I always remember that, um, but it's fantastic. As far as more like traditional horror movies, I watched Hereditary, which came out a couple years ago with Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne, which has the ending, I have to say, was a little disappointing compared to the buildup because I thought it was really well done up to the very end. And it sort of got a little cliche for me, but it was genuinely terrifying to me. Anything to involving demonic stuff and I'll get into that a little more with my next one but it's about sort of this um, grandmother's legacy on her daughter and her the daughter's family and children and it's very very scary another throwback that I remember vividly watching is the remake of the invasion of the body snatchers from 1978 I still remember being in the movie theater and hiding under my jacket at certain times because it was just too terrifying um, and Partly is because it was set in San Francisco, it was in modern times, and to me the idea of pod people sort of taking over the world seemed entirely plausible <laughs> at that point in time. I think I was 11 when I saw it. Like my number one most terrifying movie experience is still The Exorcist, because part of my background is I grew up a very devout, raised by very devout Irish Catholic parents, and I went to Catholic schools, and to me The Exorcist it could have been a documentary. <laughs> and I didn't actually watch it all the way through until I was in college, because I was so terrified of this movie. Just, it came out, I think I was six or seven years old. The, the girl that was, you know, there's a young girl who's possessed and it seemed like, okay, this could happen to me. <laughs> and if I just saw a commercial or an ad for it, I would get totally terrified and be up all night thinking about it. So I finally watched it with my college roommates you know, years later, and I was still up all night after watching it, even though I knew the story and the, you know, the special effects look sort of ridiculous nowadays. It's still like, that's still my number one scary movie. Well, now we're going to get into Aldana's scary library stories, I think. Uh, Woo, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Aldana, I know you said you have, I'm sure you have plenty of stories that you could you could talk about here. Um, but I was curious, like, when did you get interested in ghosts and ghost hunting? Well, I've always, always loved spooky things. I loved reading the stories. I remember my first horror movie was Halloween, mm -hmm. and that gave me nightmares for days. Um, but I loved it. I loved that thrill, you know? I read um, Hans Holzer's Ghosts book, which is like 700 plus pages when I was like 15. <laughs> read that cover to cover. Mm -hmm. Loved all the spooky stories to tell in the dark, the Alvin Schwartz series. Um, I watched the ghost shows on TV. I think the first one in the early 80s was Ghost Hunters. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what started the whole idea of investigating ghosts. So my sister and I went on our first official ghost hunt in 2011, uh, we went to the, the Shanley, not the Stanley, the Shanley Hotel in Napanock, New York. And this place was freaky. <laughs> it had a history a mile long of all the claims that people had seen. We really had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But the proprietor at the time, 
Sal Nicosia. He's since passed away. He was so wonderful though, because he helped us with the equipment and he kind of taught us how to use the different pieces and what they were good for. So two of the things that he showed us that day, I still use when I investigate. One of them is a K2 meter, which measures EMF, electromagnetic fields. So if the little lights light up, there's some kind of disturbance in the energy field in an area. And some people think that that indicates that there's a spirit nearby. Another piece of equipment that I use is digital voice recorder for recording EVPs, which are electronic voice phenomena. So these are things that you can hear when you play the recording back, but you don't hear them with your naked ear as they're occurring. So I actually captured one EVP here in the library, which at some point we're going to share with you during this podcast. It's kind of cool. So over the years, since 2011, I've been to many different haunted locations all over the world. I've been to the Stanley Hotel, which is uh, the place where Stephen King, it inspired him to write The Shining. I've been to the Mount Washington Hotel in New Hampshire. I've been to Salem, Massachusetts several times. I've gone investigating there. And I've even been to a 17th century monastery which was converted into a hotel called Coombe Abbey in the United Kingdom. I went there last year for my birthday. So it's really fun. You meet really nice people on all of these adventures. And I highly recommend ghost hunting. It's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, like I told you earlier, my younger sister is really into that as well. So Mm -hmm. anytime she visits anywhere, any place, she's traveled a lot. She always makes a point of trying to find haunted places or go on tours and things like that. And it's amazing. There's stuff everywhere, everywhere. Literally everywhere. So I was even here at the library. Yeah, that's good segue. (laughs) So what about the um, ghosts, the ghostly activity in the Nyack Library? Okay. So for those of you who don't know, this building was uh, built in 1903. We've had three expansions since then, one in 1973, one in 93, and most recently in 2010. Construction for this last edition began in 2006, and it was then that the paranormal activity began. So the first report of activity came from a nighttime custodian who claims to have been touched while dusting bookshelves in what used to be the old reference area. He was wide-eyed and freaked out when the morning staff arrived and kept mumbling, ghosts, you have ghosts. He never returned to work. Other claims over the years include seeing a full-bodied apparition in the technical services area, heavy book carts moving on their own, hearing footsteps, phantom elevator calls, books flying off bookshelves with with no one nearby, and a large heavy wall clock in the cafe area being lifted up and off of a pan head screw and falling eight feet onto a hard tile floor. When we looked at it, the clock was in perfect condition, the glass was still intact. And when I looked back at the video footage to see if something had happened at that point, nothing. It happened at 10.51 on an October evening. There was nobody around when it happened. So those are some of the claims that we've found in the library. 
Okay, now I'm sort of freaked out. <laughs> I didn't realize there were so many. Mm -hmm. um, and I know at one point there was an investigation at the mm -hmm. library, right? What was that? Yeah, yeah. I've show? actually I've actually done three investigations here after hours. Two were private, where my friend and author Linda Zimmerman came to the library and brought her team. There's Mike Warden, he's a police officer, and she brings a psychic medium with her, um, and her name is Barbara Bleitzhofer. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, with all of the equipment that, that they brought, and they have a lot because they've been doing this for many years, the most valuable tool for me was Barbara because she was tuning into things that the equipment wasn't really picking up, and I found that fascinating. So those were the first two that we did. And then we did a third investigation last year in October, which was organized by Mark Mang Mangano, Mangan? I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Um, and which we had like 60 people here. And we had groups of 20 kind of going around the library in different hotspots, we called them. And I was actually hosting the rotating groups. I was sitting in the children's room. So... Yeah, we had things happen during each one, and I'll kind of gloss, go over them very quickly. Yeah. Uh, in the first two investigations, we experienced unusual activity. Our K2 meters lit up in the director's conference room, which is directly under the attic. Mm -hmm. So when you're investigating, you kind of sit, first you sit and you take in everything that's happening around you. And then you start asking questions to see, and this is where the EVP kind of Thing comes in where you're recording these questions and if you wait a few minutes sometimes you'll get a response um, in this case we were we asked the question is anybody here with us and the k2 meter which measures the emf blinked once one of the lights lit up and then linda asked do you feel safe here and the entire device lit up like crazy so we think that there's something going on in the attic of the old building, which again is right above the director conference room. So that was kind of interesting. She said that the computer, that Barbara, the psychic, said that the computer resource center is a very active area of the library because the spirits are drawn to all of the computer, the energy from the computers. They actually take that energy and use it to manifest and move things and things like that. So she said there's a lot going on in the computer resource center. She said there's a teenage boy that runs around the library in all different areas. He definitely likes the children's room. And she said that he came from the Depew house, which is right next to the library. So it's kind of freaky. <laughs> he said he yes. likes to sit on top of the bookshelves in the children's room and watch the children playing. He said he, he likes that. Next, we moved into technical services, which used to be the old children's room where I worked for about 10 years. The psychic me, Barbara, picked up on a spirit that she thinks is named Peter. She said he's a younger man, maybe in his 20s, early 30s. She said that he's a bit of a trickster and he likes to move things around, which our staff can attest to with the, I think I mentioned before the moving book carts, uh, papers being moved from one pile to the next that were not moved by human hands. 
she said that um, this Peter died of consumption and he actually lived next door at the Stevenson house, which you may all now know as the art cafe. Mm -hmm. So at one point, Barbara asked me, just out of the blue, I'm standing in the middle of the room. She said, Aldana, how are you feeling? And I, you know, I said, well, I'm feeling uh, like kind of the cold bumps on my left side. I had like goosebumps, but I personally just thought maybe it was a draft or something like that coming because I was kind of near a window, closed window, but still it was chilly. It was October. And she said, well, this guy, Peter, is standing right next to you. And I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> and she took her K2 meter and held it right next to my left arm. And the whole thing lit up like a Christmas tree. It was just bright lights for days. And then she moved it like above my head, down by my feet. She moved it to my right side. Nothing. Mm. No lights. It was completely dead. She went back to my left side and it lit up again like a Christmas tree. So that was kind of freaky. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so then lastly, I'll just wrap up with this. When we did our group investigation, as I mentioned, there were people were divided into three groups of 20 people. And then we investigated in the children's room. I think they went up to the director's conference room and then maybe in the Carnegie room, which is the oldest section of the library. So while I was doing my group, I had everybody, I was recording with my digital voice recorder and I had everybody ask a question to the spirits. I called it a round robin EVP session. And at one point, a woman, we got nothing for the first two groups. And then the third group, we actually did catch something. So I think one of the uh, patrons asked, how old are you? Or how many years old are you? That kind of thing. And we actually got a response, not a human response, but an EVP response that says either 15 or 16 um, Tracy is actually going to plug this in, uh, I think, here. What is your age? So that you can actually hear it for yourself. It's faint, but it almost has like this, it almost sounds a little ghostly. It doesn't sound like a normal voice. You'll see what I mean. But just to say the library is definitely active. So the next time you're here looking for a book or a movie, you never know. You might catch something. Keep your eyes and ears open. Thank you, Alda. That freaks me out. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm a little freaked oh, out, too. Right? I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And I'm also thinking this would somehow someday, maybe when the pandemic is behind us and we can have people in the building in bigger um, groups, we could have some sort of special program all about the Nyack Library's haunted history. And Definitely. It would be excellent. Yeah. If you guys want to read more about my first two investigations here at the library, Linda mm -hmm. actually wrote a book that's in our collection. It's called Ghost Investigator Volume 11, and there's a whole chapter called The Overdue Spirits at the Nyack Library <laughs> with pictures and everything. So awesome. sort of check that out yep thank you Aldana that was great sure. Georgia were you doing the local history yes so um I'm sure a lot of people have heard about the 
haunted house, the legally haunted house in Nyack, which is um, at one Lavetta place. Um, former Nyack president uh, lived in the house, which is on the river in the 70s and 80s that was considered haunted and I guess had been, they'd been experiencing things for, um, I think they'd been living there for like 20 or 30 years. And interestingly enough, when they tried to sell the house, I don't know if the buyer found out after or if they actually experienced something there when they were looking at the house, but um, they tried to back out of buying it. And then the um, state Supreme Court ruled that um, you cannot back out of it and that apparently you have to disclose these things now before you sell a house, which I think is really interesting. And I don't know if you guys know the house. It used to be like a big pink house on the river. If you've ever gone down the Hudson River, you can see it. But I think now it's blue. And interestingly enough, I didn't, I didn't know this, but I guess Maz Yahoo lived there most recently. He's the one who lived there last. Um, I think he's selling it now. And I wonder if people, um, some articles I read about it said that people were interested in buying it specifically because it was haunted. Mm -hmm. And when the, the real estate agent was asked like, oh, do you, do you believe in ghosts? He said, I'll believe, if I can sell a house, I believe in ghosts. <laughs> I believe in fairies too, if that's what it takes. Something like that. <laughs> Obviously he didn't care. There was a famous but, psychic, or there was a famous yeah. psychic, the amazing Kreskin, that also wanted to live there because of the claims. And there was also a singer, Ingrid... Oh, Michelson? Ingrid yeah, Michelson? Yeah. Oh. yeah, she also lived there for a couple of years. Which is cool. I think that's so cool. And I found this really funny old story. This isn't in Nyack. It took place in Piermont back in like the late 1800s. There was an article. Here, I'll read it. It's really funny. So the little village of Piermont is in a state of considerable excitement for some days over an alleged ghost. Many timid persons there are afraid to go out alone after dark. When his ghost ship was first seen, it was claimed by nearly everyone in the community that the few who saw him had mixed too much Piermont beer with Spark Hill whiskey. But now the scare has assumed a different phase and a ghost is seen by prohibitionists and members of the various Piermont churches. Those who have been scared declare that it is fully eight feet in height, pale as the driven snow, and as noiseless as death. And I don't know, when I first read this, I thought it maybe was a joke, but I think that they were being serious. And then I found another article some months later, which said that a man claimed to actually have gotten into a physical altercation with this ghost and threw a rock at it. I, don't, I didn't know that it was possible to touch a ghost, but I don't know. Um, but that was just some local ghost things. I don't know. Eldon, I wanted to ask you, do you think that ghosts are scary? Are you scared? I mean, yes, I think there definitely is a scary element to it, but it's more curiosity and like wondering like what's next for me. And that's what keeps me going and like continually searching. Like we've tried so many different techniques now and like we're getting really good results. So I'm hoping before my lifetime ends that I know what's on the other side. But yes, ghosts are scary. <laughs> they can be very scary. But it's still, it's also the thrill of it. You know, I like being a little scared. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. yeah, makes you feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our episode title, Ghosts Are Scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, okay, so for our promo section of the podcast related to Halloween, uh, Nyack is famous for its huge Halloween parade, which unfortunately is not going to happen this year. We all know why. But there's two related um, things going on in the village that the village is sponsoring. Uh, Nyack Halloween from Home, which runs from October 26th through the 20 through the 31st. Uh, visit Halloween from Home Facebook page for details. And then there's also the Nyack Masquerade Contest, which actually started September 18th and it's running through October 29th. And winners are announced on October 30th. It's basically a contest to make the best face mask because at least there's that in Halloween, masks Halloween. Um, it, they also have a Masquerade Facebook page, which gives you more details. But please check those two out. And our next episode, Paper Cut, will focus on young adult crossover books, YA books that are also adult books and vice versa. And our guest this time will be Morgan Strand, who is our teen info specialist. So until next time, you guys can always check out um, updates on what's happening with the library. We have both Twitter and Instagram at Nyack Library. Um, we have Facebook, facebook.com slash Nyack Library. Uh, you can check out our website, nyacklibrary.org. We have a YouTube channel now, which is called Nyack Library from Home. Um, if you have any questions, you can email us at info at And thank you for listening to our first episode. Um, Georgia. I'm Rosemary. I'm Tracy. And I'm Eldana. Thank you for listening to episode one of Paper Cut. Bye, guys. Best part of waking up is Nyack paper. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Don't include that. But the ghost did it.